0: I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome each and every one of you who have come in your show of support for the family. I'm sure that they would appreciate your presence and your prayer during this time of bereavement. Pause with me, please, as we pray. Our Father and our God, it is always a privilege for us to enter into your presence. You have made the way open for us to come. We take this opportunity this morning to come to you to in our time of need to obtain mercy and to find grace. In this, our time of need. Lord, we think of the Cartwright family as they come to grips with the passing of a dear mother, grandmother, mother-in-law, sister, friend. We ask that you would comfort them because you are the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our sorrows. And yet we rejoice because we know that our dear sister Lucy had professed faith in you. Therefore, the good news is that we all will be reunited again. And so we are comforted by that, knowing that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And so we pray that all of the hearts would be comforted by this truth. But be near and dear to them and strengthen them, sustain them with your grace. As they adjust now to the absence because of her passing. Fill them with your peace because you are the prince of peace. And comfort them. Dry their tears. Surround them with your love and care and sustain them with your grace. We thank you for each one and ask your blessing over each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We will now have our first hymn, My Savior, First of All. Good
1: Good morning. We invite everybody beside the immediate family, if you please would stand as we sing... This first hymn, My Savior First of All.
2: You may be seated.
0: We will now have favorite scripture readings by Lauren Stevenson and Faith Burroughs' granddaughters.
3: John 14, 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Selected verses from the book of Psalms. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is my strength and my shield, my heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Because thou hast been my help, therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. I will lift mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Thank you.:
0: And we'll now have a solo by our
4: brother Anton Wallace. Renee and Heather and the rest of the family know that the love
1: of God is so strong that nothing shall be able to separate your mother or even yourselves who are trusting in the Lord from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So may you know his strong love during this time.
2: The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to Bye. Same. <laughs>
1: Jesus. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ demonstrated his love on the cross by dying in our place. Let's sing about this wonderful friend we have, and we invite everybody beside the immediate family to please stand again as we sing together. (laughs) day of salvation. May you put your trust in him alone today. You may be seated.
0: We would now have a musical tribute by Nigel McCarty, followed by a reading of the obituary by Leslie Davo. Uh we,
5: we all lived together in the White House, Glenn Cartwright's house, as a family. And we all had a good time together i remember i will I will say some things about Lucy. Lucy was a perfect cook. she was famous for our soup if you have If you didn't taste it, you missed it um she 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 had a gentle voice sometimes she would talk to me, and she would be getting on my case and she would uh talk in a gentle voice, and I said, really? Uh, this, woman, this woman is telling me about myself in such a gentle way. But she, she, got, the, she got the point across to me. And then, most, most important of all, she came to know Jesus Christ as a savior. Um, <clears throat> there, there was a movement that started in the Cartwright family, a uh, movement of the Holy Spirit working in the lives in the Cartwright family in the 80s, in the early 80s. <clears throat> and one family member got saved, and they start sharing the message of the gospel to all of us. And as a result, Lucy got saved, Glenn got saved, uh, Celie got saved, Joan got saved. These are all sisters now and brothers. Anthony got saved that I know about uh, um, no no really what I'm saying is this is this is this is to my knowledge I'm not saying it as a joke but um, then I got saved and then all of Lucy's girls are saved all because of a salvation experience that started in that family and I would I would implore every one of you to take salvation seriously yes. because one day we're going to stand before God and don't matter the chatter and the, 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 the debates and whatever and the, the, the unbelief and the rejection of Jesus Christ and the Bible and God's word one day you're going to stand before God whoever you are yes. and you're going to have to stand before a holy God and there will be no jokes and no games. Because you will be standing to be judges as to whether you're going to have eternal life or suffer eternal death forever. So I want to honor Lucy with this useful tribute. Precious memory of of Lucy.
6: I live in Exuma Uh, and they called me late last week and said that they would like me to speak on how I knew her, Sister Lucy. Last night, I was indisposed and Sister Stacy came to the door and said that uh, they, she asked me how long I I was going to be, how long I would uh, speak for today. So I said, well, (laughs) are are we on the time? Time limit? So she said, not really, but make it brief. <laughs> but uh, when I sat down just now, and I looked at the, the booklet, it, it says something about Leslie Davel reading an obituary. You all could read that. <laughs> you all could read that at your leisure. I'm not going to stand up here and formally read Lucy's obituary. I'm, I'm going to speak on how I knew Sister Lucy. <laughs> okay, you forgive me, I guess. Some some people are laughing, so I don't know. You're laughing at me or with me? I, but be that as it may, here we go again. We have to really stop meeting like this now. People are going to be getting suspicious. Just the other day, it seems, I was standing here speaking about my brother-in-law, Donald. And here I am to say, as I knew her, about my sister-in-law and my sister-in-Christ, Lucy, to basically the same people, but the same family, the same loved ones, the same friends, and I'm more than pleased to do so. Many people call me Cartwright more often than Darvell. But I don't mind. My mother was a Cartwright, my wife was a Cartwright, and after being around them for 54 or 56 years in the Cartwright family, I probably am more of a Cartwright <laughs> than a Darville. Well, Mummy always said, my mother always said that the, that the Darvilles came from Haiti. And the car page came from England, so you could draw what you want to out of that. (laughs) I first met Lucy when I first called on Pat. It's a long time ago. When I came to the door of their uh, little quaint residence on Shirley Street opposite Joan Berlin food store, <laughs> My future wife shoved Lucy out of the door and said, See that boy come to you? <laughs> but you know, Lucy w- wouldn't have any part of that. And, and as you all know by now, <laughs> Pat was the lucky one <laughs> who got stuck with me. <laughs> One of my fondest memories of Lucy was at the Regatta in Long Island once. Now, bear in mind, this is B.C. <laughs> this is before Christ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I had a cousin called Wild Bill. His name was William, but he was known as Wild Bill. And this was because he partook of the, the liquid devil pretty regularly, and he became very, very belligerent and and, and confrontational and even <laughs> combative when he, when he did that. So he did provoke someone to where they engaged in fisticuffs. By then, he was totally under the control of Mr. Hall and his opponent was clearly getting the upper hand. Now with me being the hero that I am, I of course started to go in to help him. By then the whole crowd was fully engaged and there's no telling what the outcome would have been. I probably wouldn't be here standing in front of you today. But up steps Lucy. And in no uncertain terms told me that the only way I could join the melee was that I would have to go through her. Well, I wasn't that much of a hero. So I was denied the opportunity of a very exciting day at the races, albeit for the very uncertain and likely... Painful climax. Uh, Now, Lucy was a very courageous person. Well, to confront me, you know, she had to be. But there was one thing that she was quick to admit that she was afraid of. That was flying (laughs) in an airplane. Even when she came to visit us in Exuma she came by boat. She probably considered the bravest thing she ever did was to attend Heather's university graduation in Scotland, in Glasgow. But of course that was thanks to a good dose of tranquilizers. One trip she was making, they were going up to see Stacy up in Tampa, I think it was, and Glenn and Emma and Gary and Renee, and their connecting flight was in Miami. And they told me, Glenn told me that when they took off from Miami, some buzzing went off or something, and the pilot had to make a turnaround and, Something went wrong and had to go back to Miami. But when they landed, Lucy immediately got out of her seat and told them, get her out of here. She's, she's not going any further on this plane. So they tried to persuade her, Glenn and those tried to persuade her to stay, but she had no part of that. and And she said, no, no, I'm getting out. So they had to go with her. They couldn't leave her in Miami, stranded. So there were the people sitting on the plane waiting because there was only a little problem with the door. I think the door light came on saying the door wasn't properly closed. So they had to go to the luggage uh, compartment and dig out all of their luggage and hand it to them out on the tarmac they had to make their way into the building. Then they had to find a car rental company and drive <laughs> up to Tampa. She, she, Lucy, uh, Lucy was afraid of flying. That was her, uh, the one thing, one thing that she was afraid of. She was a very conscientious and devoted and loyal, loyal employee of the banks that she worked for Mainly Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, CIBC, where Christine spent, I, I suppose, her whole entire working career. Lucy was there. I remember her as the go-to person at her branch. She really was the go-to person because I got I, I, was, I got booked for speed over in the states and. I just went to her and gave her the money for the ticket at the branch and she made the money order and she took it and sent it to me and that was the end of that. But of course, like most of us here, she had her challenges. Twice she experienced a nervous breakdown, one more serious than the other. She would get dressed for work in the morning, remember it so clearly, and then come over to our house just lay on the bedroom floor fully dressed for work. It was very frustrating time for all of us but especially for her of course. Another major challenge for Lucy was the upbringing of her four beautiful daughters. Many people saw that as a near impossibility. That is, To successfully raise four girl children and maintain and keep a good working career as a single mom. That was challenging. But enter one of my favorite Bible phrases, but God. I love that. I love that, but God. Lucy was saved, born again into the family of God, receiving Jesus Christ as our personal savior in 1982. And with everything being possible with God, and nothing being impossible, and like the Beatles <laughs> used to say, <laughs> like the Beatles used to say, I get by with a little help from my friends. In this case, a little help from my family. <laughs> Our little girls, they're still little girls to me, you know. (laughs) Our little girls became the lovely, vibrant Christian ladies that they are. With their own beautiful Christian families. However, Lucy's challenges were not over. During Hurricane Matthew in 2016, she slipped mopping up water on the floor and fell and suffered a broken hip. After surgery, complications arose, mostly due to her having to take medication for her osteoporosis. Pardon? Rheumatoid arthritis. Which she suffered with for a very long time, And in January of this year, was again admitted to hospital. Following this, she was very cautious about putting any weight on her legs. And for the most part, she remained in bed. Not feeling well at all, she was taken to the hospital on Thursday the 5th of July, this month, and went home to be with the Lord three days later. Sunday the 8th, I say to be with the Lord, for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for all who have been redeemed by his son, Jesus Christ. Sandy and Ricky were with us in Exuma. I was in church and the news came that uh, Lucy had passed away and Sandy called Joshua up in Abaco, in Key and Justin to tell them. And Joshua simply said, well, mummy, she's with Aunt June. They always took care of each other, you know. She's also now with Donald and Andre. And day four, are anxiously awaiting the arrival of Lucy's girls, Glenn, Renee, Stacy, and Heather, their families, and all of us whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Lucy is pain-free now, praise the Lord.
0: We will now have a hymn, All the Way My Savior Leads Me, uh, followed by a tribute in the form of a slideshow, and that will be followed by the message by Pastor Rob Elliott.
1: Let us all stand together as we sing about our faithful Savior who leads us all the way. He does not leave us nor forsake us. He is our guide even to the end. All the way. Be seated.
7: Hi, everyone. I wish I could be there in person, but as most of you know, I'm in between my visas. So if I leave the country, I'll get stuck in Bahamas for a long time, and I don't know when I'd be able to get back to Michelle. So unfortunately, I can't be there, but I wanted to still make a video and say what Grammy meant to me in my life. So here we go. So. For most of my early life, I never really had that close of a relationship with Grammy. We had the typical grandmother, grandson, but even the other kids, even Adam and Mark, I noticed that when they were younger, they had a closer relationship than I did, because I was more of a mama's boy, I guess. But when I got older, then that's when I started to get closer to Grammy, especially when I moved next door. When any Heather moved out to live with Uncle Mark, that's when I moved in her old room to live next door with Grammy. And I remember moving over there is what kind of brought us together. In the beginning, I was a little annoyed when I first moved over there because she would ask me to do cho- not just chores, but... If she wanted water, she would tell me to go get her water. Or if she wanted me to change the fan setting, she would ask me to do that. Like any little thing she would ask me to do, because now I'm right next to her. Or she would just call me in her room and ask me to change the AC, and I would just get annoyed sometimes because all of these things she's asking me to do. But when she was asking me, I also noticed she started to treat me better during the day. Like... The way she treated me was different than how she treated the other grandkids. And so I first noticed this the most when she started making meals for me. So everyone else would be eating their peanut butter and jelly or some other plain lunch, and she made me a personal pizza. And she'd make something for me and something for her. Or she'd go out and bring me back Wendy's or something like that. And it would be just for me. And so I remember starting to feel like me and her had a special bond from that, even though we didn't talk any more than usual or anything, but just that special feeling like she's caring for me more than the others. Even though I know she didn't love me more, and you don't love, love them more than the other kids, but, you know, it made me feel special. And then I remember when we would always go out sometimes she would need me to do things especially when I got my license or my permit she would want me to take her to the pharmacy or to the food store or whatever and she would want me to drive because now that I can drive she doesn't want to drive anymore and so she would always say especially when she got her new car she would say that that's my car since I help her out so much and I she still had the car still there but I mean I can't use it but she always said that was my car. (laughs) Another thing that she did, well she didn't do, but another thing that she had impact on my life with was cooking. Because as you all know she was an amazing cook and in my mind she was the greatest cook in the world and so whenever I was with her, whenever she would cook I always wanted to be able to cook like her now, at first, I was lazy. I was like, I don't need to worry about cooking because I have Grammy to cook for me. But as I got older and as I started to realize, I never thought of her passing away, but I always thought of like me moving out. I have to know how to cook because when I move out. But even before that, we would joke sometimes. I would joke with her, I was like, You got to teach me all your recipes because what if something happens to you? I want to be able to cook if something happens. But I it was never serious. I never, I never thought of it like it could happen sometime soon. And I remember with all the complications she had, and then when my mom told me she's in the hospital, it really hit me because and I realized that now this, is, this could be that time where she can't cook for me anymore. And then when she called me on that Sunday and told me she's passed away, all these things flood through my head. I remember all these conversations. And then it hit me that she can't cook for me anymore. And so, She was the biggest reason why I started cooking. And I still cook all the time now. And a lot of people tell me I cook really well. And so I have her to thank for that. But when she fell and broke her hip, I remember how that... They told me while I was in school that she fell and broke her hip. And that's the first time I got really scared because I realized she's getting older and something could happen to her and there's nothing I could do about it. And I remember her, I would come home from school on the break and talk to her and she would be so, so much pain and she would talk about how much she hates therapy because she had to go through all the physical therapy and then the surgery. And that's how we got closer, too, because I went through physical therapy and surgery when I messed up my shoulder. So me and her going through the same thing, I I understood the type of pain she was talking about. And I knew how frustrating it was going to therapy and being able to do things before you can't do now. But I would always tell her, don't give up, because you keep working hard, you get through it. You just have to listen to the physical therapist and just do what they say and then they'll help you get through it and then they called me and told me that it broke again and you could just see all the hard work she put in you could just see how much that messed with her confidence because now she tried so hard and now she has to start over and I knew how much that would hurt because if it happened to me I I'd be devastated if I worked for you almost a year and then now I have to start from scratch again so I knew how much pain she was going through at least that makes me happy because even though she's not with us and even though I know I won't see her again until I go to heaven I know at least she's up there she's with Aunt Joan, she's with Uncle Donald and Andre and she could run, she could jump, dance, she can do whatever and there's no more pain she can finally relax without arthritis and knee and hip pain and all those different things she had to put up with. And I'm pretty sure I was her favorite grandchild. I'm sorry, Faith, Mark, Lauren, Adam, and Stacy's kids, Josiah, Hosea, Lydia out of all of us I'm pretty sure I was her favorite even though I know she's not supposed to have favorites I think I was the one who kinda spent the most time with her especially living next door and I was the one who talked with her the most and they always my mom would tell me me and her were we thought similar or the way we acted was a little bit similar but she will always be special to me and Grammy, if you're listening to this, thank you for everything you did for me. Thank you for all the food, (laughs) all the nights you would just talk to me, all the gifts you did for me, taking care of me, and just being close to me when I moved next door. And even though I know a lot of people you weren't that close to, I always felt close to you. So thank you for everything you did. I'm so glad that you got to meet Michelle. And I'm glad you got to see the wedding video and see some of the pictures before you passed away. But I love you. and I'll always love you. And I love all of you at the funeral. And hopefully I can see you guys when I get my visa straightened out so, Grammy, love you, and I'll see you all soon.
8: Hello. Hello. Um, I just wanted to say this little thing that I wrote because of how much I love Grammy, and. banned from my games, I can always go to her and tell her what happened, because she would always make me feel better. And even though she used to be rough at times, I loved her all the same, nothing could change like that. And many times she cooks something that I didn't really like. I used to appreciate it anyway, because I know that, okay. <laughs> I know that she wouldn't do it. But if I did like it, I always went back for seconds. <laughs> I just wanted to say this because of how much I love Grammy, how much I miss her. And, you know, she's a better place now, and I'll always love her you <laughs> have
9: I express sincere Christian condolences from Beth, my wife, and from me, of course, and from the incredible body of Christ, Calvary Bible Church, your church family. We love you, and we love Lucy, and we're glad that we can uphold you in prayer in these days of adjustment that are ahead for everyone. And thank you for the privilege of ministering God's Word at this occasion. I appreciate it. This world is not conclusion A sequel stands beyond. Invisible as music, but positive as sound. These beautiful and true words from Emily Dickinson poetically underscore the fact that there is life after death and that there is a heaven. Have you ever noticed how much attention travelers pay to their trips. I mean, they price and then they book airplane tickets and hotel rooms, cruises, excursion trips, tours, theme parks, rental cars. In some cases, travelers save up their money for many, many months in advance of their trips. Yes, I think today travelers pay an awful lot of attention to their journeys. They take out insurance. They read internet reviews of all the things that pertain to their anticipated journey. They get passports and where need be visas. But isn't the very most important journey the one from this life to the next Obviously, all of us here today would desire to have a safe landing in heaven to what otherwise is crazy. But over 30 years now, I've been a pastor, and I can be shocked at how many persons are confused and clueless and cavalier about getting to heaven. (laughs) I'm left scratching my head how many are so extremely laid back about preparing to get to heaven. You ask them, if you were to die today and God were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? The most common answer I get is I sure hope so, but I'm not sure. Maybe that's your honest answer, too. Hope so, not sure. (laughs) To go through life with no plan on how to get from earth to heaven is really negligent. In fact, it's way more negligent than arriving in New York City on Christmas or New Year's Eve without any room reservation and expecting to get a hotel room. We all take our journeys very seriously, except for some, sadly, the one journey that counts the most. Some people take very little seriousness in. This morning... I want to encourage all of us to make the necessary preparations for our last journeys. I want to see with you from God's word how to successfully travel from earth to heaven, to travel from faith to sight as it pertains to God and his home. Jesus had repeatedly told his closest friends and followers that he was going to die on the cross. But either either they weren't listening or they were in complete denial. At one point, Jesus was having a last meal with those men before being arrested. And they were devastated. The prospects of losing Jesus, their friend, their rabbi and their messiah left them floored. They figured that hope was about to take a hit. If anyone was ever ready to learn about getting to heaven, it was these particular guys on that particular occasion. So let's eavesdrop on the conversation. John 14, to 6, Jesus speaks. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to repair a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The one idea I think we should take from what Jesus said in the conversation we just eavesdropped upon is this. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. (laughs) And that makes sense. I mean, if the Queen of England came to Nassau, they wouldn't be looking for a banquet hall after she arrived. And they wouldn't be putting invitations to a reception with her in the newspapers. Not at all. They would find a very well-prepared place extremely in advance of her arrival, and very well-prepared persons would be personally allowed to come to that place. No last minute, no haphazard, no detail left undone, no absence of security at the door of the banquet hall, no come one, come all invitation to meet the Queen. The Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, makes the Queen of England look like a commoner. If anyone gets to meet Jesus and then to live with Jesus, that person must be prepared. The first point of two points. Heaven is a prepared place. Jesus' followers were worried at the prospect of being without Jesus. They were scared. Terrified at the thought of making the trip to heaven without Jesus. We should be scared about that, too. Lovingly, Jesus reassured them by explaining that heaven is a prepared place. In fact, the Lord Jesus likened heaven to a large house where God the Father dwells. (laughs) Jesus went on to say that this very big heavenly house has a lot of rooms. Way more rooms than the biggest mansion in Life or Key. Heaven is a prepared place. Moving to our second point, Jesus also made the point that heaven's citizens are prepared on earth. Heaven's citizens are prepared on earth. Jesus was speaking to men. Who had already believed in him when he said in verses three to six, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Heaven's citizens are prepared on earth. I don't think I have to tell you this morning. that it's popular but totally illogical today to think that all roads lead to the same place, that everyone who is sincere will make heaven, no matter which road they pick to live on. (laughs) That isn't what Jesus said. Not even close. When a confused and an alarmed disciple named Thomas asked him how they all could know the right roadway to heaven, what did Jesus say? (laughs) What Jesus didn't say was, don't sweat it. It's sincerity that counts. Pick any road you want. Everyone makes it in the end. Jesus didn't say that. And you know, it makes total sense that he didn't. I mean, how crazy would it be if you want to go to Boston, but you tell your wife to buy you a plane ticket with any destination, any destination which she would randomly pick? If you went to the airport under that arrangement, you'd be crazy. You would be a fool to figure that if you want to get to Boston, that any plane will do as long as you are sincere when you board it. I love so much about Jesus. In this instance, I love that he was emphatic. He was in no way diplomatic. I love that he was specific. He was in no way vague. I love that he was narrow. In no way was he politically correct. I love that he was truthful in no way telling half truths or gilding the lily or telling anybody what they wanted to hear and of course I love that Jesus was right (laughs) Jesus was right and he said I am the way the truth and the life no one Comes to the Father, except by me. Dear Lucy Cartwright died, we might add, she died to live forevermore, prepared for her last journey, the one from earth to heaven. I wonder, did you come to support this family in this hour? Prepared for your last journey from earth to heaven? And what if you would be sitting here respectfully listening to all that's taking place and you're coming to the secret and inner conclusion that whereas Lucy was prepared for her last journey, that as you sit here in the sanctuary, you are not yet prepared for your last journey what about that if that is in fact your conclusion the most reasonable question to ask is how do i get prepared i mean if i know i'm not yet prepared then the logical question would be how do i get prepared because heaven is a prepared place for prepared persons and heaven citizens are formed on earth. And so how would you get yourself ready? Well, the first verse of our short little passage, verse 1 of John 14, tells us what we need to know. Jesus said in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That's how you get ready. Belief is faith, and faith is trust. You do know that faith is only as valuable as the object upon which it rests. Take your car breaks. You leave the service, you go to the cemetery, and you drive home. You use JFK, you live off off JFK, JFK Highway. When you get into your car, you have faith in your brakes. Well, that's only as a valid faith as the brakes are functional. Brakes aren't functional. You could have all the faith in the world in them, and it's worthless. Or I'm a scuba diver. If there is any minute part of contamination in an air tank and you go underwater to any ambient pressure and you breathe the contaminant, you die. So my faith is in the fellow that fills my air cylinder to go diving, that he's not allowing contaminants into my tank that I'm going to use. But if the contaminants are there, you could put on my tombstone that he died in faith in the dive shop's guide that filled tanks. Or some of you use and appreciate bush medicine. And persons who know how to use things that God grows in the bush can really benefit in their health. But what if someone went to the bush not entirely clear on what the right plant was for your malady, and they inadvertently, mistakenly grabbed a plant from the bush that is poisonous, make you a nice tea to help you with your congestion in your chest, and you die? Faith is only as worthwhile as the object upon which the faith rests. The hymn writer says it well. My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. Enough for me that Jesus saves. This ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I come to him, he'll never cast me out. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died, and that he died for me. My heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God, salvation by my Savior's name, salvation through his blood. My great physician heals the sick. The lost he came to save. For me, his precious blood he shed. For me, his life he gave. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Faith is only as good as the object upon which it rests. Maybe some of you here, if the truth be known, you have rested your faith in yourself to date, or you have rested your faith in your particular church, or you have rested your faith in your parents. I am here to tell you that neither any one of us, nor any church, nor any parents are perfect, unchanging, solid. Only the Lord Jesus Christ, his person, who he is, and his work, what he did, only the Lord Jesus Christ is solid. That is the only place where saving faith can rest that is where Lucy's faith rested. We heard today, since 1982, that is where Lucy Cartwright's faith rested, on Christ's person and on his work. And now she is in heaven. What about you? If you're sitting here and you're saying to yourself, I never thought coming to Lucy's funeral I would be encountering the urgency of my own last journey. That never crossed my mind. Well, here we are. And it's crossing all of our minds. And those of us who have been prepared for our last journeys, we're calm, we're confident. And we're thinking and praying as I'm speaking, help those who aren't calm and confident about their last journey to be so, Pastor. Tell them the gospel. The gospel, the good news, starts with bad news to do with us and good news to do with God. The bad news of the gospel is we've all blown it. We're all sinners. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's like throwing a softball from Nassau to Hawaii. Nobody hits Hawaii. Nobody hits God's glory. We all fall short. That's bad news. Bad news gets worse, and the Bible tells us we are in a paycheck for falling short of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, separation. That's bad news. That's all about us. But the good news of the gospel is all about God. And the good news of the gospel starts with the fact that God loves people who have blown it. God loves sinners. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait for us to clean ourselves up with religion or self-improvement plans. While we were yet sinners, God loved us and proved it by having Jesus die in our places to pay the sin debt that we owed to God. That's good news. The good news gets better in this regard, that we can receive right standing with God, be prepared for a home in heaven by the simplest of means, which is the hand of faith, faith resting on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, finished as evidenced by the empty sepulcher where Jesus' body no longer is because he is resurrected. And so when a person comes to grips With their own sinfulness and God's love for them as sinners and Christ's remedy for their sin and puts their full, complete trust and rests on the person and the finished work of Christ, they're gifted with forgiveness and eternal life. You and I know plenty of people who think that heaven is something they earn by how much they give to their church. By whether their good deeds outweighed their bad deeds, by whether their mommy and daddy were founding members of a church, any number of moralistic thoughts. But God will not give heaven to anyone who can earn it because no one can earn it. God will give heaven as a grace, undeserved favor, a gift. Ephesians 2:10, 2, 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Why? Not of works, lest anyone should boast. If you could earn heaven, and all the rest of us received it as a grace gift, would you not be prone to boasting in heaven? How'd you get here? I threw myself a helpless, miserable sinner on the finished work of Christ, and by faith I received my ticket to my home in heaven. How'd you get here? I had perfect Sunday school attendance. And I helped worthy charities. Not of works, so that no one will boast. And so, if we could bow for a short prayer, as you sit there in the privacy of your heart and head, wanting to prepare yourself for your last trip from earth to heaven. You could make this your personal prayer to God. If I'm praying to God what you need to pray to God, you just repeat that from where you sit. Dear God, I've blown it. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you've proven your love for me by sending Jesus to die in my place, to pay for all of my sins. I believe the grave couldn't hold Christ. That because he was raised from the dead, it proves my sins are paid for. Help me to live a thank you kind of life now back to you. Not to earn heaven, but to live like someone who's received it as a gift. you prayed that prayer, God heard you. And I welcome you to God's forever family. I challenge and encourage you to tell a Christian, someone you know to be a Christian, that you trusted Jesus to be your Savior in Lucy's service here this hour before you go to bed tonight. Thank you, Lord, for moving in each of our hearts. Thank you for being a living Savior. We pray in your wonderful name, amen. There is a tombstone in Indiana. The inscription reads, Pause, stranger, as you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. Some years later, someone did a wrong thing in that cemetery. They saw that headstone and they scratched into the stone this reply To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. Knowing which way we are going is all important. Trusting Christ as Savior is all essential. Do that today if you've never done that before. Tomorrow may be too late. Heaven is a prepared place only for prepared persons, persons who are prepared because Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Amen. Brother Anthony Cartwright comes at this time to close our service in prayer.
10: Thank you, Pastor, for that clear and precise message. Nobody has any excuse not to go to heaven. And before Brother Anthony comes to close in prayer, I just wanna first of all say, I thank God for the life of my mother-in-law, Lucy. I thank him for the part that she played in my life and the relationship that we had with each other. Our relationship was a pleasant one. We had few um, disagreements and so forth, but for the most part, we had a beautiful relationship and I thank God for that. And I thank God for the fact that she is now in the arms of our Savior. Yes. So before Anthony comes, I would like to say, on behalf of my dear wife Renee, her sisters Lynn, Mm -hmm. Stacy, and Heather, I would like to thank each and every one of you all for taking part out of your day, to come to be with us today in this time of bereavement. I'm thankful to you all for your support and your love, and I ask that you all would continue to keep Renee, Heather, Stacy, and Lynn in your prayers, as well as the complete Cartwright family as they go through these days and weeks ahead with the loss of their mother, family member. May the God of all comfort, may his Holy Spirit continue to bless us Comfort you all. I'd all <clears throat> I'd just like to give special thanks to Butler's Funeral Home, to Pastor Rob and the church family here at Calvary Bible Church, and for Angela and Nathan, thank you very much. Pardon? Oh, sorry. Brother Anton and Pastor Clinton as well, forgive me. I just got some little bulletins here. I'd also like to thank Dr. Hunt Burroughs, who cared for my mother-in-law in hospital, and all the nurses who tried their best to bring her back to be with us. But in God and his sovereign will, so fit to take her from us. I'd like to thank the family and all those that came to visit Lucy and cook for her and all the things they did for her. I thank you very much this morning, thank you. And to all the family and friends, thank you very much for coming out and taking part of your day to be with us this morning. And before I, before I sit down, Bear with me a minute. Anyhow, I don't have it right now, but I just want to say at the death of Lazarus, Jesus and Martha had a discourse or a conversation. And you know the story that Jesus came and before he Lazarus had died before Jesus got there, so when Jesus explained to Martha that that you know so forth and so on, the Martha said to him, "I know, Lord, that he'll rise in the last day in the resurrection." But Jesus said to her that he that believeth in me will never die. So this morning I put it to you that Lucy is not dead; she's alive forevermore. That's right. Praise the Lord. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you once again. Brother Anthony.
11: Amen. Good afternoon. Um, you know, I have to say a few words about my sister Lucy. Um, as I was watching the tribute to, um, from, uh, from Luke to his grandmother, and he said that, um, that he's her favorite grandchild, well, I could safely say that um, I am Lucy's favorite brother, because <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a baby brother. You know, she always used to um, love her baby brother and talk about her baby brother. And of course, we're going to miss many things about Lucy, her cooking and, and everything. Like There's one thing, though, I will never miss about Lucy, and that is the backhand slaps that I used to get from her. I mean, she... Ooh, I used to get so much backhand slaps from Lucy, so I'm not going to miss that, but I'm going to miss everything about her. And she was she was there. She has, you know, Lucy, sometimes she could have been difficult. And we did get, we had our contentions, but I always went to her and said, Lucy, I love you. And, and she would hug me and uh, say, my baby brother, I love you. So, but let's just pray. Father, as we... As we celebrate Lucy's homegoing, Lord, she's no longer in pain. Lord, she's in your arms. And, Lord, you, you're just so good to us. You're so great and wonderful. Thank you for so great a salvation that you have provided for us. God, just comfort our hearts today. Give us strength, Lord, because there's a void. Um just going visiting where she she lived lord the is there she's no longer there but god we're going to meet her again and i just thank you for this time that we can come and celebrate her life thank you for those that came out take time out from their busy schedules to come and i just pray dear god that you would continue to strengthen continue to bless continue to encourage and i pray dear god that the the message that uh, Pastor Elliot preached, God would take root in the hearts of those that do not know thee. And I pray, God, that someone here prayed that prayer in sincerity and was born again. Just thank you once again, Lord, for in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Just just one announcement is that um, it's not here in the booklet, but uh, the, the great side is going to be at Woodland Lawns. Okay, it's not here, so just in case for information purposes. Thank you.